And furthermore, Ben Bowden was a ho, ho, wow. Hey, Ben, what's up? Oh, hey, that's awkward. Wow, that, uh, boy, I was not expecting to hear from you just at this exact moment. But here we are. <laughs> well, luckily, no one else will ever hear this. So no, that's good. That. We'll be destroyed by the demons in the internet. I'm sure. Yeah. You know yeah. who I would never want to have hear this? Is, is any kids taking that stupid AP US history class? Uh. Seriously. I mean, like, there are rashes I get sometimes in my life that drive me crazy, but not anywhere near as bad as them. It's 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 weird. But, I, you know, like the ones you can't reach to scratch. It's like that. Uh, they're the worst. And the okay. last thing I would ever want to do is help those kids prepare for anything, let alone the, the exam in May. Why would you do that? Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Why did you call me, by the way? Um. Well, so... This year's kids, I definitely don't want to help, but for next year, okay, um, so this- I was thinking about ways that we could use all of our time to just think about helping our kids next year. Um, like a perpetuity kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, and I okay. also just I miss the hot takes, to be honest with you. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. I totally get that. I get that. So I'm thinking since yep. no one wants to – my wife doesn't like talking about A-Push with me. She probably doesn't talk to a lot about you, I'm guessing, right? No. Is that, no. Okay. That's never. Fair. That's, fair. That's fair. Anyways. So I'm thinking, what if me and you maybe trade some hot takes and talk about some of the big, you know, people, places, ideas of period three? Uh, oh, sure. And then maybe sure. we could send this to like, I don't know. The future? Yeah. Don't you? You have that capability, right, to send stuff to the future, don't you? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So what if what if we like put it in one of those bottles and we tie it to a mm-hmm. pigeon or something? Yep, that is an option. As far as the you know going to the future is concerned, so, pigeons are real. Yeah, yep. those, they're high tech creatures. I heard that that birds aren't real, though. Is that true? Well, I've heard that. Wasn't it something about they were uh, Reagan and they were changed or something? I think maybe. <laughs> I think something along I those totally, lines. I totally am not on TikTok, so whatever. Who cares? Shut up. Yeah, I I, I wish I was on TikTok, but I'm not cool <laughs> enough. No, they got that that filter for people like you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So period three, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess let's just let's have a conversation about that. So if yeah, if you were. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I don't actually know anything about U.S. history. Um, oh, no. It's fairly obvious at this point. Yeah, that's <laughs> so when I pretend, I, I rehearse before every class, like, over and yep. over again. Oh, it's to- script, right? It's like the old, old, like, you know, Renaissance uh, professors that would just read a script, right? It's not how that works. It's exactly right. So yeah. if I were to next year actually want to understand my content, uh, right. What, right. what are the major people, in your opinion, of period three? What are they, what are they all about? Well, period three, as far as I understand, and again, this is only my first year, so I've been kind of uh, jumping on your back, which is now apparently pretty troublesome that I've done that, <laughs> but uh, uh, starts way back at the start of the Seven-Year War, which, by the way, we never, ever call the French and Indian War, if I'm not mistaken. Never, right? never. No. Uh, and, and works its way through uh, 1800, uh, which is the uh, what we'll call the peaceable transfer of power from from Adams to Jefferson. So it's a it's a pretty serious chunk of time. Um, and I'll kind of let you uh, deal with um, a lot of the bigger events. But obviously, when we're talking about the Seven Years War, we're talking about, uh, you know, George Washington is going to span a number of those things from Virginia militia to uh, to obviously leader of the Continental Army to uh, to president. Um, 
You've got, uh, obviously, King William and George, the acts that come through there. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a variable who's who, isn't it? Um, True. As we, as we leave the, the uh, Seven Years' War and the, the victories that I'm sure in, you'll talk about uh, of England uh, and the uh, territorial gains and all of those things um, and the blaming, of, uh, blaming to an extent of uh, the colonies and the, and the repayment, Really, we're fast forwarding to uh, a lot of the people like Charles Townsend. You can't can't talk about that without the Townsend Act. Oh, yeah, good one. That's a big one. That's kind of a deep cut. But uh, John Dickinson, you remember him uh, from the letter from a Pennsylvania farmer. Oh, yeah. That's another deep cut. Uh, Lord North. If I, if I remember correctly, he wasn't actually a farmer in Pennsylvania, right? Wasn't he like a oh, no. He was a bit of a poser when you get right down to it. Uh, he uh, wanted to act like a farmer. Like uh, like so many of us try to put on, uh, you know, kind of acts about things. Um, <laughs> moving forward, we've got uh, Lord North, of course. Yeah. Uh, not mentioned in a lot of the things, but Crispus Attucks, when we start talking about the, uh, the actions from the, uh, the colonials, uh, first, first person killed. Yeah, Boston Massacre. Yeah. Boston Massacre. Uh, you can't forget the, uh, the Adams family, <laughs> not the show. Okay, that's an old show. You probably you probably don't even know that. I'm one. aware of the show, but I've never oh. seen. It. Is it worth watching? No, not really. It's pretty bad. You know, I heard the John Adams HBO documentary is not bad though. It's pretty good. Huh? It's pretty good. It is weird that uh, that guy that plays John Adams he does not like make me think of John Adams at all. Oh yeah, Paul Giamatti, right? Yeah, that's not a guy that makes me think about a colonial forefather. That's just that's just my take. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Sam Adams, of course, not just another. Uh, libation, but also a uh, silversmith and a colonial patriot. Yeah, that's right. Um, talking about John uh, Patrick Henry, of course, liberty or death. Ooh, in the Virginia House of Burgesses, I can't, I can never yeah. forget him. Not to be forgotten, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Jay shows up several times oh, yeah. throughout that period um, for several reasons. Um, and as we get closer to the uh, the revolution itself, we're starting to look at people like uh, General Thomas Gage. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's not forget uh, the American uh, 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 villain, Benedict Arnold. Although that guy's gotten, that might be the, look, I'll be honest with you, spoiler alert, that might be, uh, might be the subject of my hot take because you know, I got some thoughts about him. Dude, I, uh, with, you might be going here already, but like Saratoga, yeah. he contributes to the victory at Saratoga by, by winning in New York. And I think that's, that's more important than anything he did for the British. Well, okay, so much for my hot take then. Oh, Thanks. Cool. Oh, sorry. Cool. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Spoiler alert. My bad. I guess I'm tapping out on that one. So, uh, <laughs> cool. Thanks for the time. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, getting back to pre-revolutionary times, talking about Thomas Paine, uh, common sense uh, excerpt that we had read, uh, leading up to the revolution itself. Yeah. Uh, not the most readable piece of literature, but uh, obviously an important, uh, advocating for the, uh, uh, liberation of the colonies from the British. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, that's one where he like brought in both Enlightenment ideals and potentially yep. religious ideals from the Great Awakening, which was interesting. Absolutely. Oh, cool. wow. Hashtag callback, I guess, is what we're saying here. Great Awakening. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. Jump, jump into the Wayback Machine to go from what period two was that? I think? Period two. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, so moving forward, we've got Richard Henry Lee. Let's see. Moving past the revolution, we've got uh, John Dickinson, who helped to draft the first constitution of the United States. Mm. 
didn't go well, as we know for sure. AOC does not just stand for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, but the Articles of right. Confederation. Right, right. America's first failure, yeah. not the last, mind you, no. but definitely the first failure. Yeah. Um, challenging those uh, that new government, we've got Daniel Shea of the Rebellion fame. Oh, uh, clearly uh, that government was not able to take care of business. Yeah. Um, we go forward. We've got um, let's see, Roger Sherman, kind of a deep cut right there. Uh, but uh, uh, helped to create the Connecticut plan slash great compromise that allowed uh, our, our new constitution based government to be uh, formed and, and be successful. Yeah. So, uh, that, lesser, lesser known, lesser known Roger Sherman, but I think he's a, uh, he's kind of a big deal. That's a good one. Sure. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and then we get into the sort of the debate between the federalists and the anti-federalists leading us to, um, you know, the, the question of what kind of government are we going to have? And, uh, Leading along in the Federalists and end of the paper people, uh, we've got uh, Adams and Hamilton. And uh, on the other side of the ring, we've got the Anti-Federalists led by Jefferson and Madison. So uh, a lot of important names in there. Obviously, what, three presidents and uh, the shaper of our modern economy. So that's kind of a big, heavy hitter uh, group right there. Yeah, I'd say so. And yeah, I think that's going to kind of, I mean, I put XYZ down because that was kind of leading us out of that revolutionary period and into that sort of like uh, establishment of the United States as a country. Yep. Uh, but I think that's a good stopping place in terms of people. That's a, a pretty stout list to start with. That's a, that's a strong list. Um, I got to admit the pressure's on me a little bit now, but uh... well, you know, and you don't generally respond to pressure real well. So I did, <laughs> I did watch you play volleyball that one time. So I, I know it's... Uh, the Franklin Roosevelt's made the final four and you could argue that the last day of the tournament, um, you know, was invalid because there were so few people that could make uh -huh. it by then. So you could argue we're one of the four co-champions of the volleyball tournament. Okay. Can I, can I just push back with one question that I'm, I simply want an answer to? Yeah. Who was the organizer of the volleyball tournament? Uh, me. Okay. Well, that's it. I think we're pretty much done with that discussion. So uh, moving on. <laughs> just saying that might, that might end that discussion rather yeah, that's a fair point. I, I don't really have a counter to that. I mean, I, I wouldn't hold it past you to do such things. Let's put it that way. I, I don't want to point any fingers at anybody, but um, I, it's, it's Elliot's fault. Oh, oh, is it? Wow. Okay. Well, he might be listening. So no, there's no way they would. And you know, I don't want to throw anyone else under the bus, but Logan also. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, since also, they're not listening. Also, oh, Natalie, Julia, Jason, Stephanie, I think it's all of their okay. faults. Not okay. mine, though. Okay. Well, I mean, you're, and you're safe because they're clearly not going to be listening. So you might as well just just uh, let the dogs out on them on that one. Just, just let them have it. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna throw Kirill under the bus, and he wasn't even on the team. So we'll just keep rolling and with it. Just because just that's fun to do, obviously. Yeah. No kidding. At least you didn't have to have a team because that would require you having to spend more time with CFC. That's fair. That would be tough. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Enough of this, though. I'm going to give you some events for period three uh, as because, again, I want to be more prepared for who we're going to teach next year. Right. I'm sure they're going to be, uh, you know, smarter, uh, funnier, more organized, um, you know, have better hygiene and all of the, <laughs> the possible uh, boxes to be checked in terms of that. So uh, um, we got to bring our yeah. A game. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, as a whole, I mean, like uh, hygiene as a whole. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I never really wanted to say it, but wow, uh, wow. 
I'm, you know, I, that's why I only visited your classroom once. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's a... I went in there one time and I was like, yeah, I think I've had enough. Yeah. This is bad. So if we're thinking events, uh, and again, you've touched on these uh, in passing. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought that I was like giving a fun preview to your thing, but maybe I spoiled your hot take. I, I thought I was like giving a cool preview to it. You know what? Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll come up with something else. I, now I feel bad. So feel free my, to my, spoil my, my oven. My oven goes up to 700 and it's big. So there's stuff baking in there. All <laughs> Let me just say that. Let me just say that. So my first event is definitely going to be the seven years war. So uh, oh, yeah. starts in 1754. Um, the, you know, the causes of it initially are skirmishes over land uh, mm-hmm. in the Ohio Valley, land, uh, you know, in the in the area above Lake Champlain and what's now Canada. Um, yeah. But the Ohio Valley is interesting because, like you said, George Washington, a uh, key figure yep. in the period, was out there. Uh, and they were essentially having skirmishes over whose fort uh, was where and who could yep. trade in what, uh, what locations. And there's a... Here's a mini hot take. Uh, I was reading in Smithsonian a couple months ago that new theory that George Washington actually did start the Seven Years' War in uh, in uh, attacking a French fort. Well, fort is a relative term back then, but he was uh, active in an engagement very early on in the conflict. And uh, the people are saying that might have been the first conflict. And since he was in charge of militia, your boy uh, G-Dub might have started the whole thing. And... Hey, maybe all of American history is a conspiracy for him to get recognition and praise. You know, it's funny. I'm listening to an audio book with my son because, you know, we listen to historical audio books together. It's a kid's book. Geek. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not, not joking. When we go for walks now, we listen to this, uh, this book about kids that go back in history. Yep, that's a thing. Um, and they managed to uh, convince George Washington to change his mind about something when they're like, look, the Capitol is going to be named after you and you're going to be on the one dollar bill. And he has such a huge ego that he changed his mind. And look, I'm not going to say that a kid's audiobook is going to shape the way that I think about George Washington. But that's essentially what I'm saying. That, so there you go. I, I think that's respectable. I'm, I'm, I've been suspicious of the guy for a while. Yeah, as, as well, you should be from what I'm understanding from this from this kid's book. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So after George Washington played a role in starting the seven years war, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're not gonna, we don't get too into the battles of the seven years War or anything like that. But the key is, yeah. is that when it's called the French and Indian war, uh, that's from the British perspective because the British were fighting the French and the Indians who were pretty much on the yeah. same side. A couple of tribes fought with the British, but most of the native Americans, sided with the French and why wouldn't they side with the French? The French were giving them gifts and they were not taking over their land. No, I mean, the French were working as we, as we learned in period two, the French were working much more of an economic system in the world rather than a uh, establishment of a colonial system. So of course the native Americans would be pumped about working with the Coer de Bois, I believe as they were called back in the day. Yeah. Good one there. Yeah. I mean, you look at, first of all, the Spanish were the worst. I mean, encomienda system forced native American labor, but also the um, focus on wealth above anything else. But the English, I mean, the English, yes, settled in more families. They settled for religious freedom, but the English were, you know, pretty singularly focused on taking that land for themselves and establishing oh, a yeah. society, yeah. which came into conflict. I mean, going back to period two, you think about something mm. like King Philip's War, it shows New England oh, yeah. colonists just keep going further and further on Native American land. 
Um, Absolutely. So Native Americans mostly side with the French for the uh, Seven yep. Years' War. It does not go well. The French lose, uh, and the French pretty much are out of the picture for what is now America um, for the rest of mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the colonial period, except for helping the colonists win the revolution, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, yeah um, obviously. But so the Seven Years' War outcomes are more important than the causes. Um, because the outcomes are that the Seven Years' War is, in many ways, a cause of the American Revolution. Not a direct cause, but a, right. uh, a, a lot of very indirect causes come from it. So the first thing is that we have major debt from the British Crown. The British Crown being in debt leads to acts like the Stamp Act, which is a direct tax on legal documents. First sure. direct tax on the colonists. This led to tarring and feathering. It led to a lot of negative reactions. Hammond, would you explain to students how it feels to be tarred and feathered? Um, look, I'm not going to say it hasn't happened because uh, it has. Uh, and I am legally obligated to not discuss um, um, the impetus for such actions. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it burns. It, it tingles. It definitely tingles. Um, it's, it's not so much the physical pain as the emotional pain of knowing that people want to want to tar and feather you that that really lasts i find i mean yeah you can scrape off the tar and the and the feathers will go in time but uh (laughs) but when you get run out on a rail literally uh uh, tarred and feathered boy that boy that really uh really hurts your your self-image uh so uh yeah i'd say that's a lasting effect more than anything for sure and if it burns your face off then that also affects your image too well, yeah. I mean, they were kind enough to really just focus on uh, on everything but my face. That's good. And I don't. That's not a great thing because there's places where tar is not meant to be. But uh, clearly, uh, uh, I got lucky. Yeah. Hey, that, props to you. Yeah. Um, so, in the outcome of the Seven Years' War, people got tarred and feathered, uh, but the Stamp Act is a key part of that. Like you talked about, Hammond uh, Townsend Acts also. Um, and, the, you know, there are a number of different acts that we could talk about. The Intolerable Acts um, ultimately were, were the final straw in 1774. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, look, it's weird that the one thing that was the final straw was the Intolerable Acts. I don't understand why, of all the things, you know, stamps and, and, and uh, uh, sugar and, and, you know, putting people in your house. But, but if you're going to finally get your back broken by something that's intolerable, I, I don't know. I throw my hands up. It's, it so seems right. weak on behalf of the colonists, yeah. for sure. I mean, if you're going to name it something, um, as a side note, what does intolerable mean? Because apparently I'm really lost on that. Um, I would consider something intolerable if it had four elements. And the first element would be if somebody closed the port of Boston, I would okay. consider that okay. intolerable probably. Yeah, um, sure, sure, sure. If if somebody told the Massachusetts Assembly that they were no longer allowed to assemble and that you know the the look, British look, Crown would dictate nobody, everything, nobody says that to the Massachusetts Assembly. No, nobody. No. Uh, if if I were to say that you know if you get in trouble, you're going to be tried uh, back in Britain instead of in the colonies where you live, I would <laughs> consider that relatively intolerable. Um, That's a really long waiting waiting point for a trial too. Yeah, back then it took woo long time to cross the Atlantic. Oof. It sure did. You're looking at eight to nine weeks at least. Yeah, and Hammond, we both um, you know have spent a lot of time behind bars, and uh, we yeah. we uh, would not we we really liked the fact that we were tried in Vermont. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking timely. That's the word we need here. Timely. 
Yeah, right. we got we got to it quick, you know. Uh, and the final factor that I would say would be really intolerable for me if, if anyone were to treat me in an intolerable way um, okay. is to is to expand the quartering act because I do not want troops sleeping in my house. I do not want British mm. troops. I, I don't want to have to house them. No, look, I, I'm waking up on a Saturday morning and my kids are looking at the cartoons by that i mean the crudely drawn cartoons that are on a piece of paper that they picked up in the street and <laughs> i poured myself some tea that i probably paid a fair amount for but it's worth it because you know i drink the good stuff yeah and my wife i can smell a bacon and my wife and i are cooking breakfast the last the last thing i need in my life is some uh lobster uh, you know, sergeant coming in and stealing my eggs and bacon. That's just it. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. That just it's the one. That sounds ridiculous. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of people felt like you did because a bunch of people were protesting one night in 1770, um, yeah. and a bunch of people were throwing things at, at soldiers. Somehow a shot got fired, uh, and you know, ends up with a handful of people dead, including Crispus Attucks, yeah. who you mentioned before. Uh, the Boston sure. Massacre, as well as colonists, you know, three years later, 1773, dumping tea into the harbor to protest, interestingly enough, to mm -hmm. protest an act that actually kind of made tea cheaper, but it dictated who yeah. they bought it from and where they bought it from, because the East yeah, India Company no, real... was going under out in India. Turns out the real problem that the quote-unquote colonists had was, uh, you know, the, the, the Tea Act was really breaking into the, the black market. Uh, smuggling they were doing. So you may not read that in a lot of textbooks, but uh, uh, if you want a big old uh, bucket of truth dumped on you right now, it turns out that uh, these uh, uh, colonists, by that I mean the, the rich folk, really were angry that they were losing out on the money when the prices of tea dropped the British government. So and, there you go. And I would, you, you woke now. You woke. I would also point out that those same colonists, actually like 40% of them, even at the time of the Revolutionary War, wanted independence. Um, yeah. so it's, it's yeah. not like it was everybody in the entire con. I mean, there were loyalists, there were yeah. people who wanted to remain neutral. Um, what do, what do you suppose the percentage when we fast forward to the revolution, the percentage of people living in the South were a huge percentage of loyalists. Back yeah, then, so. that's true. Um, and, and that, you know, also I think people towards the coast, uh, had more of an affinity for Britain also, um, because yeah. they probably traded and benefited from that. Whereas the people who were kind of more in the rural, um, yep. areas who moved yep. more into the interior probably just wanted to be on their own. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, sure. so, and, and the, so the colonists are mad about a lot of things. Their, their autonomy, uh, taxation without mm -hmm. representation, which is something that, uh, you know, uh, several of the people you mentioned before, Dickinson, Patrick Henry talk about, um, yep. you know, Britain would say you're virtual, you are, you have virtual representation, uh, which mm -hmm. wasn't mm -hmm. really true. Mm -hmm. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think I'm virtually going to be happy with anything when they, somebody says I have a virtual something. That's just that sounds like somebody just trying to just trying to pull a fast one on me. Yeah, I mean, take take the proclamation of 1763. So another cause sure. coming out of the Seven Years War where Britain says, hey, for your own good, you cannot mm. settle past the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. And now we are going to uh, actually put troops there to make sure you can't settle on this new land, even though you fought for that new land and won it. Right. That doesn't sound anytime like it's you gotta start. Anytime you got to start a justification with for your own good, 
Uh, you're not really giving that that uh, party a lot of credit for for really really for anything. Pretty rough. Pretty rough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know, after these acts and all that stuff, um, we we have the Revolutionary War, but the Declaration of Independence, which is signed in 1776. Um, mm-hmm. actually happens after the first shots of the revolution, uh, which happened in 1775 in Lexington and Concord. And nobody, yep. nobody, and I have a lot of know-it-alls in my class, but nobody wow. knows who fired wow. the first shots in Lexington and Concord. Now, uh, was, it, was there some sort of radical theories coming out of your, uh, out of your, out of your students? Or? You know, I, I was thinking about having a hot take about Lexington and Concord, mm. but I... You know, ultimately, I have a guess on who fired the first shot. Wow. Okay. Hold on to that if you want. If they want that to be your hot take, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna right. hold on to it because I might I might make it my hot take. Okay. That's fair. Um. So and then after Lexington and Concord, you know, we're not gonna get into a ton of battles. Um. But yeah. Bunker Hill, you know, wasn't. I mean, if you want to give the the real sort of readers or the readers' digest version or spark notes. We didn't win a lot of battles. I no. mean, a uh, couple, couple early on, but Washington is really uh, not doing well. Gives up Manhattan and all of uh, New York City essentially, and is forced to to beat feet down to New Jersey and hope for the best. I mean, that, that was that's the in essence what the first part of the war. It's is. true. It's true. And then Saratoga, that right after what you just talked about, that turning point yeah. is when the French yeah. jump in and the French naval yeah. support. Um, you know, yeah. the French support in a number of ways, but the naval support of the French is absolutely yep. instrumental. Um, but if you think about the battles, I, I think for most wars in APUSH, you know, the spark is Lexington and Concord. We know the turning point yeah. is Saratoga and Yorktown yep. is, is the final. I think that's really the, the area to focus yep. on. I think that works. Um, so after the, uh, after the war, we have, like, like you talked about, Mr. Hammond, AOC, Articles of Confederation, the, dr- the yep. drafting of those. They pretty much mm-hmm. said, hey, states, if you want to help the federal government out, you can, but you don't have to pay taxes. Yeah. And if you were to be given the option to not pay federal taxes, would you? I mean, probably not. I don't know. It, 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 look, the, the sort of my take on the Articles of Confederation is uh, it's I'm going to go kind of a nerdy here on you. Uh, it's, it's something called the opponent process theory. Whoa. Um, in psychology, it's when you have an experience of some kind of emotion or some kind of state, you tend to react in the opposite direction to that. So if you have a very uh, a sad experience, you may react by trying to be overly positive about it. Um, so really, if you apply that to history, um, the Articles of Confederation is nothing more than going in the exact opposite direction from from the, the colonial experience with the king. So what do we do? We strip we strip the federal government of any centralized power, right? We, or the ability to raise taxes or the ability to uh, negotiate treaties. And, and, and in essence, what's happening is uh, the colonists are saying, we're going to run as far away as we can from a, from a monarchy and, uh, and see, what, see what works. You know, that reminds me, next year we should have some sort of thing like a constitution causation essay where Ooh. kids – make connections between the complaints that colonists had under the British crown and how they tried to completely reverse those for the articles of confederation and then found a happy medium with the constitution. Moderation. If you, yeah, we should try. That sounds like T-Rev too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. The, 
a lot of uh, the revolution in you. You know, it's a revolution, so it fits into the anatomy, doesn't it? That is interesting. That was very interesting. So, as we get out of the revolution and the constitutions formed, like you said, we got a great compromise. House of Representatives yep. is by population. Not just any compromise, mind you. It was great. Uh, it truly was a strong one. Yeah. Um, and not in like a Great Depression kind of way, but like great. Yeah. Why you got to bring up the Great Depression, man? Well, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out why it's called great. It's not that great. It's pretty awful. We should call it the Whatever. depression that sucked. Yeah, because it yeah. did. Like real bad. Real bad. <laughs> Uh, so we got Federalists and Anti-Federalists, like we talked about, that debate, all that stuff. Yep. Um, and the Federalists, you know, federal power, Anti-Federalists, like the Bill of Rights. So um, they passed the Second Amendment, which is the right to hang a pair of bear arms from your wall, I believe. Oh, yeah. No, you could, you could wear those. Uh, you could wear them around. Uh, you could walk out in public with those. Uh, go get yourself a, a, a seltzer. Uh, while wearing the bear arms, you have the right to do it. It's just that wow. simple. That's, I mean, bear arms are important. Uh, and yeah, and look, I love bears, but I love the way their arms look on me. <laughs> that's, that's the bottom line. Uh, so, the, and then the First Amendment, which I've always thought is really overrated. Um, I, I don't think. I mean, like, hey, it's my First Amendment right. Yeah, do you even know what that? Yeah, means? freedom of speech. Nah, I don't think that's important. Whatever. Um, Whatever. So, but the Federalists and Anti-Federalists evolve, and eventually it becomes the Federalists against the Democratic Republicans. Democratic Republicans, yep. not the same as Anti-Federalists, but a lot of the similar principles. Um, right. They want a strict interpretation of the Constitution, a weak central government. Yep. They love France because they support the revolutionary fervor. Uh, sure, sure, you know, sure. they, they want to... It's ironic that they want a strict interpretation of the Constitution, given that the Constitution is an unbelievably simple document. So that's tough. That's yeah, because there's not much you can do within the strict confines of that. No, no, it is very, very small. I mean, like, the Constitution of Rhode Island runs close to 100 pages, uh, and yet our own national constitution is, what, like three, maybe four pages? Yeah, that's that's crazy, actually. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Democratic Republicans, they're, they're uh, pro-agriculture, all that stuff. Thomas Jefferson, Agrarian Republic, everything like that. Whereas Hamilton... Federalist, more pro-business, more pro-British. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an economist. Yeah, for real. Hey, have you yeah. seen the Hamilton play? I haven't. I have not. No. And then, you know, the period ends in 1800. They say, you know, it's revolutionary that they peacefully transferred power between presidents, um, which is yep. crazy for us to think about because that's how we <laughs> always have done it now for a while. But right. time is yeah, pretty crazy. Little... Yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. So uh, I think it's time for hot takes. I think we're... Three All right. stuff. Yep. Uh, hot take George Washington, um, unanimously elected by the Electoral College. What's the deal there? Uh, hot take was that were there were there any other uh, people that might have wanted to be president? Whew. Did they have an opportunity? Um, maybe G Dub was kind of, you know, ushered into the office of the presidency without any odd um, uh, righteous opposition. I don't know. I'm just throwing that's, that out there. That's something right there. I mean, no other president has been unanimously elected, uh, and I believe he was on his second uh, term as well. Is that correct, I believe? Um, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, I think it was. Yeah. So, again, we, we've already talked, you know, call back to, uh, to uh, Chaboy GW's uh, ego. Um, you know, was he, was he so 
self-important that he, uh, I don't know, rigged the system so he wouldn't get any opposition. I'm just saying, maybe it's possible. Wow. That's, that's something. Yeah. Autocrat, George Washington. King George. So, There's multiple yeah, King Georges. Well, according to, I'm going to bring it back again, according to, uh, to uh, my kid's book on uh, George Washington, he was referred to as Your Excellency when he was a general. Wow. That seems autocratic to me. That seems uh, very uh, um, king-like. I think you should so, go by that just, next year, Hammond. I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> uh, that's a good hot take. Uh, how's me thinking? Thank you. Um, yeah. uh, since I stole your earlier one, I'm I'm impressed that you uh, you recovered like that. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I just pulled up uh, the notes that we have in our, uh, our our share drive, and it was just scrolling through, looking for something that jumped out, and that's that's what came out. That's that's fair. I'll be I'll be transparent. Um, you know, my original hot take was actually about George Washington uh, and the fort, which you talked about earlier. Um, so it's kind yep. of funny because I think we each took each other's hot takes. Um, so my hot take on the fly is going to be that, uh, and I'm I'm actually kind of stealing this hot take because John Green has a whole video that's kind of about this, so this isn't very original. But um, that the American Revolution was not actually very revolutionary because the people who were in power before in the colonies who, yes, they were mm-hmm. under the British crown, but they they possessed the economic and political capital in society. Um, sure, I'm sure, still sure. did. And you look at a guy like Sam Adams, who was doing quite well under the previous system, led a revolution, yep. then did even better economically and yep. gained even more political yep. power, and then wanted yep. everyone in Shays' Rebellion, who consisted of a, a bunch of disgruntled Western mass farmers who fought in the Revolutionary right. War, he wanted to hang them sure. and said that there was no yeah. need for a revolution. And I'm kind of thinking like mm. Sam Adams, you, this revolution worked out really well for you, but a lot of people sure. were still suffering and the economic system in the U S didn't really change. So now you don't right. think a revolution is appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I, I would argue uh, to kind of extend that, that I, I can't think of many revolutions that have com- fundamentally changed power structures um, or uh, I, I would extend that to say uh, revolutions that got rid of power structures. You know, I mean, yeah. you could argue, well, the, the Russian Revolution got rid of uh, a lot of the aristocracy, um, but they just created a new aristocracy with the Soviet Party, you know, the, the uh, Communist Party. So yeah. um, I would push back and say what revolution actually did take uh, a, a social structure and completely alter it or get rid of it. I mean, you look at Iran, they replaced an autocrat in the Shah with an autocrat in the Ayatollah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, a fundamentalist, uh, fundamentalistly run government for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, so w- when we think about the American Revolution, if you look at populations, I mean, mm-hmm. the black population in the colonies, uh, if anything, suffered after the American Revolution because the United sure. States doubled down on slavery with the invention of the cotton gin and all that. Um, yeah. And then you look at, uh, I mean, women were taught to uh, stay in the sphere of domesticity, which means uh, you know, stay in the home and teach, uh, you know, Republican values to um, to your kids and stuff like that. So they're still not sure. given economic freedom or social freedom. Um, no. And then nope. the class divide, I think, is, is still pretty similar as well. Um, yeah. So, yes, Absolutely. they did get a representative government. Uh, but even until the era of Andrew Jackson, which we'll talk about in the next right. period, 
Uh, even yeah. non-landowning white men couldn't even vote at the time. Right. I mean, until we get to that sort of early days of the populism, there's, and even then, uh, how much change did the populists really make? But look, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Yeah, but hey, that's that. So if we're thinking about how to do this next year, I think that that's a pretty good yeah. survey of period three. Oh, absolutely. I mean, in terms of being able to survey 70 years of 70 of potentially the most important years of American history in about 33 minutes, that's not bad. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, and especially if I were like a, and, you know, no one will hear this that's relevant to this, but if no. I were a kid who was like yep. realizing that my AP test is going to be one 45 minute essay, I would probably right. want to get those big ideas from each period. So I might, it's a shame this won't right. be available because I would probably listen to this as a way to review. Right. And if I were to further say something like, I don't know, maybe that that altered test was a DBQ and they had to be able to respond. And one of the points was being able to bring in other information. Whoa. I don't know. It seems to me that would be an important thing to kind of wrap your Didn't we just give a bunch of those? That is that cheating? I feel like maybe, again, it doesn't matter because, you know, they're, they're not here right. and they're not listening. True. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, if they, if, if theoretically they were doing that, this might be a good starting point for, uh, thinking about all of the DBQs that we might have written over and over again and practiced and talked about, uh, during the first semester, let's just say, it is, I don't know. It is weird how we had them write actually including practice DBQs and the midterm, a total of seven DBQs this year. That's a lot. Wow. That is a lot. I mean, I would feel pretty good uh you know man, of course there might be some other things we might want to talk about and reminders and and such but uh you know if theoretically if i were a kid and i had two absolute legends teaching a push um i would probably think that they might even continue to assign practice dbqs for the periods that i might get tested sure. on sure. and i would also if that was the situation i i would wake up and greet the new day with a fair amount of thanks, knowing that I've been lucky enough to to be put into this situation, let's say. Yeah. Wow. Um, but that's that's me. Look, I'm a grateful guy. So when I get these things, I I remain grateful. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know I uh, I think that it's you know this would be worth a lot of money. Maybe we should sell it to some school in like Texas. You know, <laughs> you know they they definitely would not want it in Texas, but sure. uh, somewhere else maybe. You know, we'd probably get like you know. Two seventy-five. By that I mean two dollars and seventy-five cents. I think we should throw like fifteen ads in this. Oh, easily, easily. What you want to talk about me undies right now? I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I could probably rip through the uh, copy of several. You know, how about a new mattress? Because that's a that's a that's a popular one. Have you listened to the yeah. podcast T-Rev Daily? Uh, I have. As a matter of fact, I have. It is quite good. I mean. I don't have any reason to listen to it other than the fact that it's enjoyable. It's a great podcast. Um, so I really... And, and to be like crazy critical of the content because, you know, I, I used to teach T-Rev a long time ago, so I, I can be extremely nitpicky about what you're saying about the Yeah, content. you taught T-Rev back, uh, back when I was like in, probably in high school. You could have been my high school teacher. I think we would have gotten along. It, it's possible. I started teaching, uh, yeah, it was, uh, let's see, this is uh, 11 years ago, I think. No, sorry. 13 years ago, I started teaching. If you want to think about how I would have been as a student, think. You know, I'd rather not, actually. I'd rather not, because I would probably hate (laughs) you guys. Let's just, like, I don't generally hate students, but I'm pretty sure 
I would dislike you with with the the heat of a thousand suns. Just subjectively. Speaking. Well, if you want to still visualize how much you would hate me, I would be as a student. I was like CFC, except way cooler. Okay. Well, that's not hard. <laughs> hey, well, I think uh, I think we gave some pretty good coverage to this. Yeah, look, we're we're just about if you can believe it, we're at the forty minute mark. So I think that's as much as my contract allows me to talk about history uh, before I get overtime because uh, this this knowledge source can only go so far before I get that's, overtime. Yeah, that's fair. So I think there's nothing left yeah. to do except uh, to go make a weekly work menu, and we'll maybe embed the link yep. to this on it, and uh, we'll go ahead from there. Yeah, for the future. For the of future, course, of yeah, course. for next year. Yeah, because we're gonna stick with this idea naturally. Yeah, of course. Hey, well, Mr. Right. Hammond, it's been fun. I'm going to go back to bad-mouthing you to my five-year-old because he needs to hear this about you. That's tough, but I'm going to go bad-mouth you to my fish, so we'll call it even. That's fair. 